Open your Bible to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. I'm afraid I'm going to step on that mic if I get carried away. I had coffee this morning, so I can't stand still. (laughs) We're going to blame it on the coffee, right? 1977. I had just graduated from college from university, was going to work with an organization that ministered with delinquent kids. I had volunteered for them, and I was going to do that. And uh, they had a training in Chicago, so I went to Chicago for two weeks, two weekends. And uh, we got there, and they told us that the, they had scheduled for us, the whole, everyone who was there for training, on the second weekend, we were going to go to this church in Chicago that the, uh, the leaders of this ministry said was the greatest church, the best church in all of Chicago. And so we had a high expectation. And, but in this training, we broke into teams. And our team, on our team was a guy who was from Chicago. He actually had played a tight end for the Chicago Bears football team. But he was from Chicago. So the first Sunday we were there, he took our team with him to his church. And uh, this was a church in a poorer area, and these people just worshiped Jesus. They went crazy. And uh, they were just so in love with Jesus and so friendly, and they greeted us. And some lady, it might have been a relative of his, invited our whole team, seven of us, to her house for dinner afterwards. And we were just, I was just thinking, this is an incredible church. But in the back of my mind was, but they say that the church next week is better. And I'm thinking, how can it be better? So I really had very, very high expectations when we went to this church the next week. And so I, I could hardly sleep that night. I got up. I was really excited to go visit the, the best church. And we get there, and it's a really old church building, which is not a problem. But they had these pews, wooden pews, with really high backs and sides. And so when you sat in the pew, it was like you were in a, you couldn't see anything. I mean, the, the, the backs were way above your head when you're sitting down in the sides. And uh, so you were very, very isolated from other people. And we sang, seated there, we sang a couple of hymns. And then the pastor got up to share, and he had to actually climb up steps to this place. It was, I mean, literally, it had to be where he preached from was higher than my head. And uh, he talked about good social stuff, never mentioned Jesus. And it was, when it was all over, I went out and I was just angry. If we have an expression in the States, I was spitting nails. <laughs> I was just angry and I was complaining and, and I knew I didn't need to, to talk with my team. So I went across the little parking lot they had over under a tree and I was just complaining to the Lord. Lord, this is terrible. No wonder people don't go to church. The church is, is rotten. We need something. And God spoke to me probably for the very first time in my life, very clearly, and said, yeah, but she's my bride, and I love her. And something just broke in my heart, and I began to weep. And the whole day, eight hours, I couldn't eat. I couldn't do it. I just was broken and I just every time I thought about it I started crying and two things happened as a result of that one 
I determined I would not speak negative of Jesus' bride. But two, I said, Lord, I want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And God began to answer that prayer. A year later, we ended up with Youth with a Mission, which is a mission organization. How's that about the church? Because they're not really about the church. But what God had to deal with us, with me, I'm not going to speak for Mary, but I think for me, was YWAM's motto is to know him and make him known. Before we could deal with the church, I had to know Jesus. I was raised in a church, knew a lot about him, but knowing him was a different thing. Didn't realize until much later God was answering my prayer. I mean, much, much later. I'm really slow. <laughs> Years later that God was answering my prayer about being part of the solution and not part of the problem. I want to talk about Jesus this morning. I want to talk about next week, a biblical view of the church. But that starts today because a biblical view of the church isn't anything if it's not about Jesus. On this rock, the revelation of Jesus, he'll build his church. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The word looking means literally to look away from everything else and fix our gaze, fix our focus on Jesus. The author, the beginning, the founder of our faith and the completer. In essence, it's saying faith is in our focus on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on him. Not on everything else. But on him, I want to read you a number of scriptures and then make some comments. I got a whole lot of scriptures. Mary, you're here. She was telling me this morning she was out with the baby, so I didn't expect to. I'm going, oh. <laughs> and she wanted him. I want to read you some scriptures, and I want you to kind of catch the gist of, of what's happening here. Uh, second, starting with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Emphasis added by me, of course. <laughs> if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteous, righteousness of God in him. Ephesians chapter 1. Who's doing the, uh, the overheads here? Kate. These guys are so much quicker than me turning actually in my Bible. So you guys just be patient with me. I'll get there eventually. Chapter 1, verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Mary was telling me uh, last week that one of the, 
uh, definitions for blessing. It, it's a, a big term, but one of it is to speak highly of. And that God speaks highly of you in the heavenlies. That's part of what being blessed with. He speaks highly of you. He says, have you seen my daughter Barb? Let me tell you about how wonderful she is. He speaks highly. See, there's, there's something that we kind of feel uncomfortable with that because we're not really good at that, but he is. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In him. Are you, are you catching on something here? Verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. You have an inheritance in him. Over to Colossians. I actually tried to organize this, so I went through the Bible, but I liked it better to change them. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 of Colossians 1. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. The fullness of God dwells in him. Chapter 2, verse 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Talking about Jesus again. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. You kind of get in the gist of this. You guys are sharper. It took me a while. Verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Chapter 3, verse 3, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Back to Philippians. Chapter 3. And verse 9. Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. Talking about one of my favorite scriptures. being Knowing Jesus. Verse 9. And be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. We, uh, we have coffee and tea beforehand because uh, we know that sometimes you need some little help. We know the guy who preaches, and so coffee and tea is recommended. <laughs> Helps you stay awake during the, uh, the preaching. He goes on about all these scriptures. Verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You need purpose in your life? It's in Christ. 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ephesians 3.12. Last one in this part here. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom? 
we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. You know why we worship Jesus? Because it's all about him. <laughs> we want to point you to Jesus because he's what you need. Right? Luke chapter 8. That was the introduction. <laughs> Luke chapter 8 from verse 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? Now, if you read before, he's in a big crowd and everyone's jostling, and, and so that's why he's, the disciples respond this way. When all denied it, everyone's bumping at everyone, and everyone said, I didn't do it. They all denied it. Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude uh, throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, can you get this picture? Here's this crowd of people and she's sick, and she knows if I can touch Jesus. She fights her way through the crowd, and she grabs the hem of his garment. She tries to stay hidden. She doesn't want anyone to see her. Grabs the hem of his garment. She's healed, and then she kind of slinks away. And when she finds out, she, I mean, Jesus stops everyone and says, whoa, 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 who touched me? <laughs> Everyone's going, what? What are you talking about? She knew. There were other people who touched Jesus, but she knew. She was the one who touched Jesus. It says when she couldn't be hit, could not, was not hidden. She was trying to slink away. I did it, I did it. And so she's got this idea in her mind that she's unworthy to touch Jesus. Now you have to understand the culture. Because she had an issue of blood, she was unclean in Jewish culture. Her image of herself was unclean. And so for her to come and touch Jesus was actually transferring her, her uncleanness to him. And that's why she was trying to stay hidden. Okay, she knew what she had done. That's why she was, and Jesus said, whoa, who touched me? Now she thinks he's upset. He thinks, ah, you've transferred your uncleanness to me. I tell you, you can't transfer uncleanness to Jesus. Yeah, he already had it. She came trembling and falling down before him and declared to him in the presence of the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Why does he say that? Because she actually is afraid. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now let me just touch that for a second. Where was the power? It was in Jesus. Because he felt power go out of him. <clears throat> was that the power in faith? No, it was in Jesus. But what was the faith? The faith was that she pressed through the crowd to get to Jesus. And she touched him and power came out. 
So when he says your faith has made you well, he's not making a declaration about faith. He's making a, a summary of what happened. Her faith was in Jesus, which we've read. Right? And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Wonderful story. One more. Matthew chapter 8. I love this one as well. Uh, Verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Jesus has already carried away our uncleanness. Jesus has already taken upon himself our sickness. Jesus is the healer. See, we need to get that in our mind, that when we come to Jesus, he's what we need. Let me ask you, do you need healing? Run to Jesus. He's the healer. Do you need provision? Run to Jesus. He's your provider. Do you need forgiveness? Run to Jesus. He's the redeemer. You don't need someone between you and God. You don't need to come and confess your sins to me. You confess your sins to Jesus. He's the redeemer. Is a storm blowing around you? Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the one who calms the storms. Are you fighting depression? Run to Jesus. He's the giver of peace and joy. Are you dry? We sang early on, breathe on me, breath of God. That was a scripture that God, uh, I mean a song that Tim found as a result of a prophetic word that God spoke to us when we first started the church through a number of churches in different parts of the world. Ezekiel 37, that God would breathe life to dry bones. And so that's kind of been part of the, the underlying DNA of what God is doing. Someone asked me last night, so uh, what's the purpose of your church? Why did you come here? And I went, because Jesus said to. I didn't have any other great strategy or, or anything, but, but thinking about it later, I thought part of the DNA is something of God breathing life to dry bones. How do we get dry? How do we keep from getting dry? We'll keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Yeah, five steps how to get dry. <laughs> Great sermon. <laughs> Aren't you going out with the kids? <laughs> See, the, the, the situation is that we can get hurt by people. We can get hurt by leaders. We can can see that the difficulties in the church and get our focus on that, and we end up being dry. But the key to not getting dry is keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our focus on Jesus. He's the resurrection and the life. You want to see supernatural manifestations of the Spirit? Worship Jesus. 
Because the Holy Spirit loves that. That's what his purpose is, to glorify Jesus. You want to see others restored? Point them to Jesus. You're not the Savior. Sometimes we think, oh, I can help them. You can help them if you point them to Jesus. You need purpose in your life? Run to Jesus. Partner with him. We get to work with him. Someone said, we don't do anything for Jesus. We do it with him. And there's a big difference. As Barbara said earlier, how often are we given a pressure to do certain things, and it's our performance, and we're doing stuff for God rather than doing it with him? He just wants us to walk along with him. So, at the risk of sounding simplistic, let me say this. Whatever you need, run to Jesus. He's the answer. The fullness of God dwells in him. You're complete in him. You're righteous in him. You're strengthened in him. You're accepted in him. You have access to God's presence in him. You're healed in him. Fix your eyes on him and put your faith in him. Simple. But that's the foundation of the church. Jesus said to his disciples, Matthew 16, who do you say that I am? You know the story. Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, that's wonderful. That's a revelation given you from the Father. (laughs) Right? You didn't figure this out on your own. It's a revelation from God. And then he goes a whole different direction. If you read that, you think he's going, and he does one of those weird deals, and he says, on this rock, I'll build my church. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're talking about this revelation of Jesus, and that's the rock he's talking about. On this revelation, I'll build my church. First time he mentions church in all of the the Gospels, is there, and it follows a revelation of who he is. We can't talk about church unless we'll talk about Jesus first because he's what it's all about. He's the focus. He's the head of the church. He's the Lord. He's the king. We all know that. But somehow we can get just slightly... Off focus. You know the old saying that, that if, you're, if, you're, if your aim is one degree off, it's not a big deal in five feet, but in five miles, it's a long way. We get one degree off and we end up down the, down the line. And we wonder, how in the world did we get here? How in the world did we get to this church that never talks about Jesus? How in the world did we get to this church where people say the the greatest church is this church? You know why they said that church in Chicago was the greatest church? Because they had a lawyer on staff that helped people. That's why they said it was the greatest church. Which is a wonderful thing. But let me tell you, if you're not pointing people to Jesus, your fix is temporary. 
fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher. We're going to uh, go back and, and do a couple of songs in worship. And I want to in- invite you. If somehow you've gotten your eyes off Jesus, maybe you've gotten hurt, maybe you've had a theology that ended up focused on you, if only I were good enough, if only I were holy enough, if only if I did enough, rather than Jesus. As we've seen this, can I invite you? Put your focus back on him if you haven't already. But maybe... You're in a situation, word Mary shared earlier, about tumult, storms around us, hurt that comes. I'm gonna, while we worship, we're going to stand in a moment. I'm going to ask you if, you if you would like to respond to God, to come to the front, and there'll be people who would love to pray with you. You can respond where you are, but I've learned there's something about saying, God, I'm hearing you, and I'm responding. There's no more anointing here in the front, Okay? <laughs> There's no, it's not an altar. It's not, you know, hey, this is where the, the spout of glory comes. That's not the case. But there's something about responding to Jesus that says, Lord, I hear what you're saying. And I've got my focus on something else. I've been hurt. I believe that there's at least one person here that there's something that God has called you to that has died and he wants to resurrect that. I don't know what that is, but if that's the Holy Spirit, you do. And maybe it's died because somehow in there you got your eyes off Jesus. Yeah, I just felt, as Russ shared that word, I felt something earlier when I shared this psalm that there was someone here that had experienced betrayal at one point in your life or ministry, and the Lord wanted to bring a deep healing. Like maybe you've experienced a certain level of healing, but he wants to get to the very root of it. When David wrote this psalm, it was in the midst of running from his own son, Absalom. And he wasn't only in the wilderness, he was in the midst of gut-wrenching betrayal. And I just felt, I don't know, as I read this psalm this morning, that there was a deeper work of healing that the Lord wants to bring. Maybe just to one of you, I don't know. but just as we worship him again and praise him to allow the Holy Spirit to go deep. Can we stand?